Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. lesson is from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 31 chapter 25 verses 31 to 46 listen for the word of God when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on the throne of his glory all the nations will be gathered before him And he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger, and welcomed you, or naked, and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick, or in prison, and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, Depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On this Christ the King, or Reign of Christ Sunday, we come to the end of the church year before we start all over again with the first Sunday of Advent next Sunday. 
Most of our liturgical celebrations and festival Sundays go back centuries or even more. But Christ the King Sunday is relatively new. Pope Pius XI established it in 1925. It was originally on the Sunday after All Saints Day, and it was not until 1970 that it was moved to the last Sunday of the liturgical year. On this day, we celebrate that Christ ultimately rules over all. As our Presbyterian Church USA website says about this Sunday, in Christ all things began, and in Christ all things will be fulfilled. In the end, Christ will triumph over the forces of evil. It is indeed a timely festival Sunday, as a reminder to us that the forces of death and violence, greed and lust for power that seem so prevalent in this world will not ultimately prevail. Lest we think that this Sunday is just looking forward to that future day when Christ will come in glory, this PCUSA webpage goes on to remind us that as sovereign ruler, Christ calls us to a loyalty that transcends every earthly claim on the human heart. In every generation, demagogues emerge to claim an allegiance that belongs only to God. But Christ alone has the right to claim our highest loyalty. We don't just look to a future day when Christ will reign over all. We live our lives here and now, acknowledging that Christ holds claim on our hearts, our words, and our actions. It may be a relatively new liturgical celebration, but the concept of Christ the King is certainly not new. You can find the figure of Christ seated on a throne as ruler of all or overseeing the Last Judgment, in paintings, frescoes, stained glass, and church and cathedral carvings all over Europe and probably in every corner of the globe where the church has left its mark. What does this mean for us today? How is the reign of Christ relevant here and now? I've never been a big fan of the school of Christian faith that only looks to the final days or to salvation after we die. I don't think faith means much if it doesn't make a difference in how we live our lives here and now. And the here and now of our world is about as challenging and bleak as it has ever been, at least in most of our lifetimes. What does it mean to proclaim the reign of Christ to a world that is so fully enmeshed in conflict and war and power struggles and the vast accumulation of wealth by a relative handful of people. In a world where thousands of innocent children are dying from warfare, where anti-Semitism and anti-Muslim sentiment and racism, and anti-LGBTQ rhetoric, legislation, and acts are on the rise. 
All that threatens our society, people's rights, our globe, and the earth itself, all of that seems overwhelming. So what does it mean to say Christ reigns when it looks a whole lot like death, evil, fear, greed, and discrimination reign? The reign of Christ here on earth can be hard to see and believe. And that can make it easy to fall into the trap of thinking that the reign of Christ is just for that future glorious day when Jesus will come again and make all things new and Christ will indeed reign over all. While we believe that is true, we also believe that the reign of Christ is not just for a future day. Jesus told his followers, the kingdom is at hand, it is among you. Jesus is not just the once and future king, to borrow T.H. White's book title about King Arthur. Jesus is the once future and always present among us here and now king. Let's take a closer look at the passages from Ezekiel and Matthew. The prophet Ezekiel was among those deported from Judah to Babylon in what some scholars refer to as an ancient brain drain. The Babylonians deported those with wealth, means, and power, left a puppet king in place in Jerusalem, and eventually destroyed the city and temple. <coughs> Ezekiel is a prophet among a people in exile. Much of his prophecy is warning the people about what is going to happen to Jerusalem and telling them it is their fault. They abandoned God, they oppressed God's people, they forgot who they were and brought this on themselves. But finally, the Lord gives Ezekiel a new message, one of hope. This exile and harsh judgment will not last forever. God will one day bring them home. The verses at the beginning of chapter 34 set today's lesson up. There, the Lord has Ezekiel prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, the kings and probably the other civic and religious leaders as well. They've taken care of themselves at the expense of their people, fed and clothed only themselves and not the people in their care. Ezekiel tells them, you've not strengthened the weak, you've not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you've not brought back the strayed, you've not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. The rulers and leaders have only thought of themselves and neglected their people. And the Lord says they will no longer have charge over their people. So in today's passage, God says, I myself will become their shepherd. I will search for my sheep and rescue them. I will bring them into their own land, feed them, provide water, and give them rest. I will seek the lost bring back the strays, bind up their wounds, and strengthen the weak. And then we have the judgment that may sound harsh to us. 
God will destroy those who have fattened and strengthened only themselves and feed them with justice. Those who act out of greed and lust for power will be brought down. A word of warning for us who may not walk the halls of power or be among the uber-wealthy, but no great privilege nonetheless. God makes it clear that those who push and shove and butt at the weaker sheep will be judged, and not just those who actively oppress them, but those who simply neglect them. At the end of today's passage, God speaks in messianic language, promising to send a new shepherd, like David, who will faithfully shepherd the sheep, The new David, the Messiah, will be their shepherd, and the Lord will be their God. As Christians, we still hold to this messianic promise. God has already come among us as Jesus, the one we proclaim as Messiah. And we trust that Jesus will one day come again, that Christ will reign, and the earth and all its peoples will be one. Until then, how do we live as those who believe that despite everything, Christ reigns here and now as well? This passage and the passage from Matthew teach us how we are to live as those who claim that Christ rules over all. What got God's people of Judah into such trouble in the first place, what brought catastrophe down upon them, was how they mistreated one another. They sought power and wealth at the expense of others, trampling them down and scattering them abroad. The way to live into God's reign, Christ's reign, is to turn that around and practice what the Good Shepherd teaches us, essentially loving our neighbor, regardless of who they are. Jesus almost seems to echo this passage from Ezekiel in today's lesson from Matthew about the Last Judgment. When all the nations are gathered before the Son of Man, people will be separated according to how they treated those Jesus calls the least of these. I was hungry and you gave me food, thirsty and you gave me drink, a stranger and you welcomed me. Naked, and you gave me clothing. Sick, and you took care of me. In prison, and you visited me. And the righteous have no idea what he is talking about. When was it we saw you and did all these things for you? And the king, Jesus, will answer them, as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. Likewise, those who are cursed were also surprised. Jesus tells them, I was hungry and you gave me no food. Thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. A stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. When, Lord, they ask, when did we see you and not take care of you? Whenever you failed to take care of the least of these, Jesus responds. 
And Jesus says their fate is the same as those gluttonous, powerful sheep and shepherds the prophet Ezekiel spoke to. I entitled this sermon, Sustaining Hope. How does any of this help us sustain hope when the world seems to be falling apart? This reign of Christ Sunday reminds us that we do indeed believe that Christ is among us, that God rules over all, and that love ultimately wins. And these passages tell us how to keep living in this world, proclaiming that Christ does indeed reign until God's reign is finally complete. We proclaim that Christ reigns by living in love and serving Christ in the least of these, feeding the hungry, welcoming and caring for strangers, and working tirelessly for the rights of all people, regardless of who they are. We don't sustain hope by simply looking to that future when God's reign is complete. We sustain hope with every little act of kindness. Every voice raised to speak out against oppression, every step we take to ensure that people have food, shelter, and opportunity. We sustain hope by actively living into God's kingdom, trusting that it is indeed among us, that Christ reigns whenever we serve our neighbors and practice Jesus' commandment to love. Some of you may know who Glennon Doyle is. She's a writer and activist and has a very popular podcast. On Instagram several days ago, she posted a message saying, I know so many of us are struggling so hard right now and feeling helpless. And so I am here today to remind myself and all of you that we are in fact not helpless that we have been reminding each other for the last decade and a half that we can never let the fact that we can't fix everything keep us from doing the small but hard things we can do each day. She's right. When the state of our city, our nation, and our world feels overwhelming, one of the ways we find and sustain hope is to do, as she says, one small hard thing each day. And it doesn't always have to be a hard thing. Choose to live each day doing one thing to show Christ's love. One thing to serve Jesus in someone who is struggling. We certainly have our share of the least of these who need food, shelter, and clothing all around us in this city. There are thousands of strangers who have landed in our city in desperate need of welcome. We proclaim the reign of Christ whenever we help meet their needs. We sustain hope by doing something every day to live into our calling to be Christ's body, to remind ourselves that Christ is very much alive and at work in us and among us and around us. One day, Christ's reign will be complete. Until then, Christ reigns in our hearts 
and in the hearts of millions who follow him. We can proclaim through the way we live our lives that Christ is very much present and Christ's love cannot be quenched. Now to the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To God be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.